And a very good afternoon. Thanks for joining us as always. We got lots of ground, plenty of ground to cover on this Tuesday. Primarily, we're going to explore stage three of the reopening, which, as I'm sure you're well aware, does not include us, does not include Toronto, at least not yet. But there is some concern about inside dining and bars reopening throughout the uh, province. There's uh, been, uh, I don't know, a lot of talk about those two areas, inside dining, bars being a COVID hotbed, and just perhaps one of the major reasons why California has had to roll back their reopening. Too many people inside small, closed-in areas, whining and dining, and the thought is that is one of the major contributors, one of the major reasons why those numbers there have spiked, that it was just too much uh, too soon, as I'm sure you're well aware, California, along with Florida, the two major hot points or centers for coronavirus in the states right now, California yesterday announcing they are rolling things up back. And we will explore whether or not there's any lessons there to be learned for us here in Toronto and really elsewhere throughout the province and throughout the country. Can we, should we be learning something from the California experience? We'll explore that coming up. Meantime, today's COVID numbers are hovering right around 100, 111 new cases reporting in the province as we are prepared to enter that next stage of reopening. And of course, the last thing anyone wants is to have to do this rollback like California has seen. And when we wait for a vaccine, there has been more and more talk of something called cluster busting. Have you heard about this cluster busting? Some believe it could be the key to actually beating the pandemic. Dr. Michael Gardam is the chief of staff, is also an infectious disease expert at Humber River, and the doctor joins us now here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Doctor, good afternoon. Thanks for coming back on the show. Thanks for having me. All right. Uh, yeah, let's start with, uh, first of all, just your take on where we are right now as a province, moving to stage three of the reopening, and this is going to be a regional approach once again. Is the timing in your estimation and from a medical standpoint, is the timing right? Yeah, I, uh, I think so. I think, you know, Ontario has done well over the last couple months. Our numbers have consistently been down. The ICUs and hospitals have cleared out. Our death rates are way down. So if there was a time for us to start to, you know, stick our, our toe back in the water, this would be it. You know, as you mentioned earlier, though, the, the, the big risk here is that we are going to start bringing more people together in different environments. And in some places in the world, that seems to have worked okay. Many countries in Europe have been able to do that. Uh, and in other places, it has not worked well, like, like what's happening in the U.S. And so it's very much dependent on to what degree you're opening, how fast, and whether people continue to play by the rules. So are we entering a real critical phase here? Because you mentioned the ICUs and the emergency rooms. As we all know, many people have not gone to the emergency room. And, of course, surgeries have been postponed because of COVID. So, you know, essentially hospitals like yours could be getting busier from that backlog and people just coming back to the hospital. And then we've got the potential of maybe some COVID spread because of, you know, in-house dining and bars. So is this, again, a real critical phase we're entering right now, do you think? It is. I mean, we're, we're de definitely taking a step forward. And whenever you do that, there's obviously risk involved. And so this is a calculated risk. And I mean, you know, personally, I think we do need to take the calculated risk because the alternative is just to stay in lockdown for potentially well over another year, which I just don't think is something that anybody, you know, can, can really deal with. So I think we do need to take the calculated risk. 
we just have to be really intelligent about it. And as you mentioned earlier, that if we identify clusters or we have, if we identify an uptick in cases, we need to mobilize all the public health resources to really investigate those quickly, put people into isolation and quarantine, test people, follow up on them. That is how other countries have been able to, you know, get through what we are about to start doing. What's happened in the States is there's been a very strong attitude towards this is nothing, we're not going to worry about it. And, you know, they're a very good lesson for the rest of the world. Basically, don't do that. Yeah, let's talk a bit about uh, clusters and cluster busting then, because as we all await a vaccine, as I mentioned off the top just before I brought you on, a lot of people have been talking about the so-called cluster busting. What is it exactly, and why do some think it's so promising? Yeah, I mean, it is a fairly standard thing that we do in infectious diseases. I mean, you get to a point where if, if things are very widespread, that doesn't work anymore, and you end up doing this sort of total lockdown, which is what we did in March, but if you have a, a low number of cases, as you detect cases, you put a lot of your resources into figuring out who those people were in contact with, whether they're sick or not, getting them all tested, and you're basically shutting it down before it starts to spread. And you know, countries like, like, like South Korea, for example, have been very, very successful doing that from the very beginning. The other place that was very successful with that was actually New Zealand. So there is... You know, we're at a stage now where there's lots of examples of different approaches, and that one of really aggressively following up contacts, testing them, isolating them, et cetera, that's been shown to work. Uh, and on the other hand, as I mentioned, the let it just run free has been shown not to work. And so, you know, it's not like we were four months ago where we're really figuring it out as we go along. We actually have a pretty good roadmap on what is probably best practice and how to deal with this at this point. Is the key to this cluster busting, doctor, is it contact tracing? It really is contact tracing. It is identifying cases early and then having the resources to trace all the contacts, get them tested, make sure that they've stayed isolated until we get their results. And it's very labor intensive, but you're putting a lot of front end work in for a relatively few number of cases to stop things versus the sort of total lockdown where Frankly, chasing clusters doesn't matter as much because if we're all in isolation, then what does it matter? But, of course, if everybody's in lockdown, then our stores aren't opening, people aren't getting out, and that's just not something that we can keep doing for months on end. We need to find our way forward, and that approach of going after the clusters uh, has been shown to be a very effective way of doing it. Do we have the resources in place when it comes to contact tracing? Because I think a lot of people, they're still a little fuzzy on the uh, details and uh, what exactly the technology is and is it in place for the country or specifically uh, Ontario. Is contact tracing, is it ready to go here if that's what's so key to this cluster busting? I mean, I think that's a really good question, and I don't entirely have the answer for that either. I mean, it, it very much depends on the local public health resources, and we have multiple different public health units that have varying levels of uh, work required of them to, to deal with these, with these clusters. Early on, certainly, we struggled with this. Uh, we, were not very, uh, we were not very quick at being able to identify all the clusters and follow them up uh, like, we, like we should have been. You know, there's been talk about how more resources have been put into this, and I hope that that's true. I don't really have uh, a window into that. The, the, the key thing with this work is it's very, it's very labor-intensive. Uh, you're actually, as a, as, a, as a public health worker, you are calling people, taking detailed histories from them, finding out who they were in contact with, 
where they were and then calling those people doing the same thing, arranging their testing. It's very, very people heavy. It's not something which you can kind of automate. And that's why every place in the world has struggled with this because it is so labor intensive. However, some countries have just poured so much resources into it that they've been able to pull it off. With uh, roughly 100 new cases a day now, again, 111 reported in the province here on this Tuesday, is the time right for cluster busting in Ontario? Have we got a manageable number now? Do you believe that this could be effective? Yeah, we, we absolutely do have a manageable number. I mean, if, if we're going to try taking the next step, now is the time to do it. Um, you know, the closer that we get to the fall, the more we worry, people in my line of work worry about people bringing their outdoor behaviors indoors. And so as you get used to seeing your friends again in the park, you may want to see them at a house party in September when it's cooler. And there's a lot of concern that um, we could start to see an uptick in cases just because people change their behavior as the weather gets cooler. So if we're going to do this, we should do it now when things are relatively quiet. And that'll give us a good sense of how we're doing before the weather changes. Because I think most of us are predicting that the, the fall may not be completely smooth, that we may get some bumps in the road that do require us to back up a bit. Uh, I hope not, um, but it's more likely probably to happen when the weather starts to get cooler and, and people start to come indoors. Is that why this cautious approach by the Ontario government is maybe the most sound and reasonable one? And again, it's a regional reopening for phase three. Toronto not yet included. Yeah. We were late, one of the last, if not the last to go into stage two. And even though there is roughly, again, about 100 new cases per day uh, in the province, I mean, should we expect Toronto to go to stage three sooner rather than later, do you think? Yeah, I, I think I think Toronto will be moving to stage three. I think it is perfectly logical to have a regional approach. I know originally the premier wanted to do sort of province wide, but you know the fact is is that uh, Toronto has been much more of a hotbed of this. Toronto and Windsor have been much more of a hotbed than other parts of the province, and you know you do need to take a regional approach to this because if you're if you're having very few cases in Wawa, you probably don't need to treat Wawa the same way that you do Toronto. So. I think we have been very cautious in Ontario, which frankly I've been I've been glad to see. I think we do need to take the next step because it's always about balancing the the impact, the negative impact of your control measures along with the the positive impact of them on the spread of the virus. You gotta try to balance it. And Ontario's been doing better the last few months and we'll see how this goes. And and you know, everybody knows we need to look very hard and very carefully to make sure that we don't start to see a spike in cases. And if we do, we all know what we'll have to do. We'll have to start making changes again and going a bit backwards. Hopefully not all the way back, but maybe part of the way back. All right. Dr. Michael Gardham. Doctor, appreciate the time as always. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Here goes Dr. Michael Gardham, Chief of Staff, Infectious Disease Expert at Humber River Hospital.